welcome, witches and ghouls. We are pleased to say that we are now a part of the Morbidly Beautiful podcast network and family. Morbidly Beautiful is your macabre home away from home with horror news, reviews, editorials, and more. Morbidly Beautiful supports everyone in the horror community, from special effects artists, indie filmmakers, writers, women, LGBTQ folks, and so, so much more. We are so happy to be part of the spooky team. Please go to morbidlybeautiful.com to find out more. And now, on with the show. Welcome to I Spit on Your Podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Spinster of a Horror. This is a time once a month where I put down my bloody knitting needles and Kelly steps away from the TV to discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. On this episode, we are celebrating two years! <laughs> two years! <laughs> two years of Spinsters of Horror and I Spit on Your Podcast. So today, we're going to be light and breezy, nice and casual. We're going to talk about being spinsters, again, revisiting the name of our project in the origins and talking about where we stand today and maybe there's any differences there uh, we're going to answer questions from you listeners and reveal our top five horror films of the past decade so pick your poison and listen on if you dare All right. usually and I think it's a good way to start <laughs> off but if you folks don't know by now Spencers of Horror was a name that Jess created. So let's kind of revisit why you chose Spencers of Horror. Spencers of Horror. Okay, well, one of the reasons why I chose it is because I always, myself as a child and as an adult woman, stuff like that, recognized myself or related more to the image of a spinster. So typically, um, I think like the, the definition of a spinster is usually an unmarried woman, an older unmarried woman who is uh, homely or something like that. They keep to their home. <laughs> they are. They take care yeah. of their nieces and nephews and stuff like that. They're just. It's typically an unmarried woman. And I know Kelly will probably have a more elegant definition than I will, but because. I'm going off the cuff here, but... <laughs> I do! I came a little bit prepared, a little yeah, bit of a history okay. lesson. Oh, right, all right, there you go. I honestly did not prepare at all for this. I was just like, I'm just winging this. I'm just going to have a conversation today with uh, Kelly. So yeah, Kelly, tell me the definition of a spinster. I only have this. It's the only thing I researched. And it's barely even researched. Uh, I am currently reading a book called Spinster, Making a Life of One's Own by Kate Bollock. Almost oh, done. Yes. I really nice. wanted it to be finished by... Today, I have like 100 pages left, so there's still a bit of a ways to go, but it's fantastic. I am relating so much to what this woman is talking about in the book. So, okay. folks, I do recommend it if you perhaps want to remain single, want to live alone, just want to be inspired essentially to, like the title suggests, make a life of your own and live your own, as everyone say these days, your own authentic life. So this is kind of a little bit paraphrased and a little bit uh, word for word for the book. So the term spinster originated in 15th century Europe as an honorable way to describe girls, most of them unmarried, who spin thread for a living. This was actually one of the very few respectable professions available for women. Then by the 1600s, it was a term used to include unmarried women, if they were spinners or not, so if they spun thread or not. 
And then it was in colonial America where spinster became synonymous with the British old maid, quote unquote, which is a seemingly negative term that includes the word maiden. And a maiden is a fertile virgin girl. Mm -hmm. So this signifies that the matured version hasn't outgrown her virginal state and so is well past her prime and she'll never have sex. (laughs) So that's where like the end of the history lesson, because if you really want to get into it, you can. And it does get into the book. It like weaves the history of of the term spinster and everything throughout the book so it's it's so beautiful so it does carry on with history as the years gone on and it's the 21st century it, the usage of it is of course not really one that it's gone down a whole lot we don't really use that term anymore but it still has a negative connotation a spinster is sexless and lonely and that's kind of where that the bottom line is drawn. So if you look at the Oxford English Dictionary, it states a spinster is an unmarried woman, especially an older woman thought unlikely to marry. So that's a very like basic, simple term. But mm-hmm. uh, and again, not commonly used now, but it's still derogatory. And it's like the, the stereotype of an older woman who's unmarried, childless, prissy and repressed. You know, we also bring it back to like the cat ladies. Which I think oh, we yes. really relate to. That we neg- really relate to. Yeah. Really relate to. Like <laughs> older, unmarried women that live with a bunch of cats. And mm, yeah. for myself, I live alone with some cats. <laughs> Jess has <laughs> double the amount of cats than me. <laughs> I definitely have double the amount of cats than Kelly. Uh, yeah, and uh, for a time period, I did live alone. With the same amount of cats. <laughs> Knitting and crocheting late at night with your glasses and shawl on. <laughs> which is me, which is something that I absolutely love. And yeah. one of the reasons why I gravitate to the word spinster is because it's a word I really myself relate to in the sense that, yeah, I don't I don't typically live like you would say the definition of like the spinster lifestyle is, but there's elements of it. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. I prefer on a Saturday night to be at home with my cup of tea, and like Kelly said, knitting or cross-stitching <laughs> or cuddling with one of my cats or reading a good book. Yeah. And I <laughs> I celebrate that about myself. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I chose spinsters. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it's, it, like Kelly said, it's still considered a derogatory term. And I want to take that back. It's one of those terms that women are trying to take back these days and say, well, no, this is not a negative term. This is not a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. I celebrate my uh, spinsterhood, mm-hmm. even if it may not be the way the the dictionary defines Mm -hmm. it like Mm -hmm. yes when we chose uh, spinsters of horror uh, spinster i was at the time just recently divorced living on my own with my six cats (laughs) (laughs) knitting and crocheting having my own life so it was more of a typical kind of spinster kind of lifestyle and then eventually in time i uh came out as poly and i started dating a bunch of people and i'm currently now living with one of my partners but I still I still identify with the spinster life because even though I'm living with someone right now, our life is still very separate and my our life is still very like I want to live my more authentic life and that's what I'm doing kind of as a spinster. So mm-hmm. I'll never get married again. I will never have children. Mm-hmm. I'll always celebrate this type of lifestyle that I have. So mm-hmm. yeah, and then of course like tacking on the horror. Well, no <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> so why yeah, can't spin? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and women always get the negative connotation of like not being true horror fans. And, <sighs> you know, so it's like, so yeah. in a way, like our name is like a double whammy. Yeah. Like we are spinsters. So we are claiming that, yes, we are women. We live unconventional lives. Yeah. We also love horror. And we also love talking about horror. Yeah. So, you here know, bam, are. bam, here we are. <laughs> I thought it was kind of like funny and kitschy when you brought it up and I did love it. So I thought I was, I had more like fun with it. Not that I'm not, I'm not saying I don't have fun with it now, but it was different. It just, I looked at it 
differently. I thought it was just, you know, a fun play on words. Again, like over two years ago, we used I used to make fun of you, Jess, about <laughs> folks. If you ever find an old tea set and like the little teacup with the saucer, like Jess is all over that. Send that to yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The little I really china want those. Cups. <laughs> oh my God, I love those. I really want the ones that have like the negative words in it that yes, be like, yeah. I poisoned you and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> so like we have totally have fun with that. So when you brought that up, I thought it was perfect. And I like what you said there, which is unconventional. I'll start with how I feel about the word spinster and like spinsters of horror now. And then we'll, we'll j- jump it back to you, Jess. See if there's been any changes in, in mm. how you feel about it. It, but so I really feel like again I thought it was like really funny and kind of kitschy and adorable at first but then I just over the last few years I've definitely learned a lot about myself a lot of things that became like strikingly obvious that about myself that I've known since I was a child that just have be- become glaringly obvious that makes sense to for me to thrive and that is living alone, being unmarried, not having children. And when I was young, I never wanted kids. I never thought about marriage. I was never one of those girls that thought about a wedding or none of that really came into my mind. It's always been like me, myself and I and career related. That's where I always saw my future was always what am I doing for my career? Because I that's really what I've put a lot of value on. I prioritize myself. I prioritize my career and what I'm doing. So just lie out the last couple of years. So I just I feel like what Spaces of Horror really kind of embraces is just being authentic, being our unconventional, our proud, strong, independent women, holding our own in a world that we know is sadly still quite dominated by men. Horror community, metal community, just life in general, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just like full, have really just embraced it. And I f- definitely feel like it's less kitschy and funny. And now I'm just like in- intensely bonded to the word spinster and spinsters of horror because I've just like fully embraced it. I fully have brought it into my life. And yeah. like as yeah. like a fiercely independent person, that again like I said prioritizes myself and I want to just my own space my own independent life it's just like I just love it and I it's almost like life changing so great name Jess (laughs) (laughs) so how about you like how you thought about it in the beginning has that changed at all now that it's been two years later well like I've always kind of been kitschy in some way shape or form (laughs) so um... (laughs) you definitely are yeah but I will say that during the last two years with the way my life has and times changed in the term in the mm-hmm. sense that I'm in multiple relationships at one point I did kind of feel like imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like am I truly a spinster now because I am dating a whole bunch of people and I'm not you know like you know mm-hmm. what I mean like mm-hmm. I'm going out more I'm having more of a life and then when I decided to move in with one of my partners and I was like oh am I you know am I considered a spinster still and I'm like and as I think about it more and I was like no I you know I still consider myself a spinster regardless of whether I'm living with someone or not because mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's about being my authentic self yes. and living my authentic life mm-hmm. and something that my uh, current you know partner my nesting partner and I had discussed quite thoroughly about is like when we decided to get an apartment together we're like okay we both want to have our separate rooms and I didn't realize how important that was to me until we we did move in and Mm -hmm. I was able to set up the room exactly as I wanted it to be for me and then he Mm -hmm. was able to have his own space and it made me feel like like yeah I can still like live with someone have some sort of entanglement but still have my own identity and still have my own kind of separate life and Mm -hmm. you know where and I could still like and I still consider that 
a bit of a spinsterhood in the mm-hmm. sense that I am, you know, I'm very, I'm being authentic. I'm being unconventional. I'm still independent. Like I've never not seen myself not living with someone. I actually do feel comfortable when I live with a, an intimate partner, but mm-hmm. in a dip, but this is a very different way than it was before in a monogamous set uh, relationship or in terms of uh, a marriage. Like I'm never going to get married again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned my lesson from that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. So when I did like over the last two years kind of experience a bit of like, oh, am I truly a spinster that I'm making these life choices? I'm like, no, I think I am truly a spinster regardless of what life choices I've made because in my heart, mm-hmm. I know how I feel about myself and how I relate to those women because a lot of those women who are deemed spinsters, particularly in literature, are all strong, independent women who mm-hmm. speak up for themselves and look and they, they focus on living their authentic lives mm-hmm. and their careers and their mm-hmm. passions and they don't let yeah. people tell them no means no. They're like, oh, you may say no, but I'm going to figure out another way. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So Yeah, for sure. I totally love and agree with that. It's it, You have the heart and the soul of a spinster. And that is exactly <laughs> what you said. And that's what the book is about. And that's how I feel. And I felt for so long is that don't live life by a default. So monogamy is a default. Having kids, getting married, living together, essentially the relationship escalator folks. Um, yes. I would look yeah. that up. Uh, just don't live your life by a default. Literally and truly do whatever it is that you love to do. Do whatever the hell you want. And that's that's really what it is. And if it's, you know, living with someone or not living with someone, having a whole bunch of kids or not having a bunch of kids, changing careers when you're almost 40, you know, like literally just do whatever you want. And I think that that's that is like the true essence. You're right. Those like the Victorian age and all those early spinsters, they wanted to be writers. They wanted to be artists. They wanted to do whatever they're going to do. And they did it. You know, despite any kind of hardships to fight, despite any societal pressures, because they were much more of an issue and way more damaging and and hard for women way back when. But I do know that uh, those uh, those pressures exist today. But please just we'll shout it from the rooftops, which is just literally do whatever you want with your life. And you're uh, live your life for yourself, not for others. Yes, (laughs) exactly so yeah i think there's a philosophy actually when it comes down to it like a philosophy that comes with spinsters of horror and perhaps not one that i really realized two years ago so i'm I'm living it i'm loving it i hope folks can can kind of see where we're coming from and maybe you find strength and empowerment with what we're putting out there with regards to our brand so so that's the origins of spinsters of horror in the sense of the name that you know the reasons why i've chosen it and then just kind of how it's grown yep in the last two years and I, I'm curious to see how that will you know identify with us two years from now two three yeah totally me too do people ever think you're weird uh I guess sure I mean, in a charming endearing lovable yeah all right think we're ready to move on yeah, so Excellent. I guess uh, questions from people? Yeah, so we got two questions from listeners. Our first one is from Chelsea Davis from Twitter. She asked, what's a horror film that you think would benefit from a feminist update or remake and who would you want to direct it? I would say a Fright Night remake by oh, Julia Durkanau, okay. the director of Raw. Oh, wow, okay. I think that she would do an incredible job of a really interesting, subversive, gory, fun, 
serious vampire film and I would be here for that. With this like run of really fucking fantastic vampire films that we've seen in like the last five years. Mm, that's um, true. I am here for it. I am a sucker, no pun intended, for <laughs> vampire films. So the more the merrier, I say. So Fright Night remake by Julia Ducanau. I would love to see a re- like even though it's like almost it's almost perfect but it's not I would love to see a remake of Rosemary's Baby done by uh, Karen Kusama yes just because her film The Invitation was mm-hmm. so good and mm-hmm. that's actually one of my I think my honorable mentions for uh, 20 mm-hmm. uh, for the 2010s I would like to see that remake happen just because when she did The Invitation she really portrayed that ev- like that whole element of like a cult aspect and stuff like that mm-hmm. re- really creepily mm-hmm. and I could see that she could really add that element into modern adaptation of Rosemary's Baby and how that would happen these days and I think that would be really creepy and really cool to see yeah interesting hopefully the world listens and creates these films that'd be great and then the second question was from Chris Flores from Twitter and he asks in a horror movie what roles would both spinsters have would you like to go first? Well, it's funny because I saw this question and I already like, I used to have a whole group of friends in university who <laughs> would always play this game with our group of friends. Cause at the time I hung out with a group of people in my first year of university. And because, you know, we talk about slasher films and stuff like that. And the things would be like, okay, who would survive? Right. Mm-hmm. And they would always say that I would be the final girl. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it just chose based because I was, I was the fact that I was the brunette of the group and there was a blonde uh, woman, mm-hmm, uh, female mm-hmm. woman in the group and they're just like, oh, she would die first and mm-hmm. these guys would die in these rooms. But they're all, at the end of every like conversation or the, it would always be like, nah, Jessica would be the, the final girl. She'd survive at the end. Um, so yeah, I think I would be the final girl. What do you I think, think for I me? Would survive. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what do I think for you? Yeah, they said spinsters. What do you think, what role would I have in a horror movie? <laughs> I... You you could be the one of the ones that are having sex and got killed. Like, you bitch! <laughs> I said the same thing. <laughs> okay, well, technically, technically, okay. kind of like '90s and prior, the old horror tropes. I would definitely be the promiscuous girl that dies. Hundred percent. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but for newer horror tropes, I would be a final girl, specifically. Ripley or Sydney Prescott, mm. my two favorites. Tatum, just get in the car. Hello, Sydney. Uh, hi, who is this? You tell me. Well, I, I have no idea. Scary night, isn't it? With the murders and all, it's like right out of a horror movie or something. <laughs> Randy, you gave yourself away. Are you calling from work because Tatum's on her way over? Do you like scary movies, Sydney? I like that thing you're doing with your voice, Randy. It's sexy. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, come on. You know I don't watch that shit. Why not? Too scared? No. No, it's just, what's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. Because they're just, they're smart, but in like a, a more modern way. I feel like Ripley, because she has technical skills and that was like really beneficial to her. And I feel like I have technical skills. Okay. I have a lot of medical skills, but like a lot of technical skills. So I feel like I would be like a super modernized final girl. But it depends. So depending on the movie, and what kind of, you know, tone they want to take, I'll either die or kill everyone. Then I was thinking that I can't forget our female Avengers and rape revenge films because I would cut a motherfucker. Oh. 
You would definitely be a female Avenger. You would definitely be a female Avenger. I am uh, Jennifer Hills in the I Spit on Your Grave remake. Thank you very much. See, yeah, I think for myself, I don't know, I, I definitely would be a finer girl in like the old trope of the horror movies, mm-hmm. so, like the Laurie Strode. You are Laurie Strode. Like uh, <laughs> I wrote that down. You're just like legitimately, you're just Laurie Strode. You I'm are. just Laurie Strode. Yep. I think that you and her are like one of the same. First I get your famous chewing, now I get your famous squealing. <laughs> Any of you all right? <laughs> Are you fooling around again? I'll kill you if this is a joke. Yeah, but like, but in newer, like in the newer, like horror movie, like slasher tropes, I probably end up getting myself killed just from <laughs> some sort of stupid thing of not paying attention or something like that <laughs> <laughs> by pure accident. <laughs> Good questions, yeah. folks. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Freaking make me think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now I have uh, a handful of questions for you, Jess. All right. We'll have a back and forth here. Okay, so what is your favorite Let's Scare Jessica to Death film that you watched this year? And I have the list here if you need help. Oh, good. Uh... Do you want me to list them off? Yeah, list them off. Cause... Okay, this is actually going back in time, too. It's like newest to oldest. Uh, good Night, Mommy, Inside, Tusk, Audition, Pin, The Evil Dead remake, The Strangers, The Beyond, Trick or Treat, the heavy metal movie. Uh, then mm-hmm. I did your double one, Norai, The Curse, and Taking of Deborah Logan, The Green Inferno, and Chained. We don't have to talk about Chained. Yeah, we don't have to talk about Chained. <laughs> <laughs> Chained was our was our breaker. Oh, man. Whoops. So, like, <laughs> what are some of my favorites? Okay, well, the most recent one was Goodnight Mommy, because mm-hmm. that one blew me away at the end mm-hmm. uh, with the way that film ended and just where it all, where the journey it took. I really enjoyed it. Um, I remember, I remember really liking uh, Noir, Noari the Curse mm-hmm. and the month of taking it ever loading because those were actual like ones where I was actually scared. Ooh, yeah. Because I feel like the goal, like I know some of the goals are like less scare Jessica to death is to actually scare me or sometimes it's just to like introduce me to something like a really cool like type of horror movie something mm-hmm. like that. And those two I remember really scaring me, mm-hmm. especially the taking of Deborah Logan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I really like Nor- Nori because I think that was a really great um, take on found footage and the whole possession genre and then we got to have that awesome conversation later uh, mm-hmm. about that film later with some pin was weird <laughs> that was just a strange movie <laughs> in so many regards <laughs> yes let's scare jessica to death play on words you know it's a movie reference but yeah it's either gonna scare you unnerve you disturb you any of shock you shock and dismay just make you feel something they're just a little yeah usually there's like more visceral movies yeah, for sure. And I definitely liked uh, Inside a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and that's what I said. I feel like I'm becoming more of a fan of New French Extremity than I realized because mm-hmm. I just seemed to... Those, that's a, I think the third film or second film that you had recommended to me on 
less Caratesca the Desk yeah. of, the, of the new French Army mm-hmm. uh, genre that I really enjoyed. And uh, the other one was actually Audition. So I really liked Audition as well. And it's interesting because I didn't think I was going to be able to watch a movie. I thought it was going to be really disturbing mm-hmm. me, really gross me out. And it was actually not that bad. No, because I guess And I guess, like, you know, everyone just hypes up Takashi Miike so much. That's why I was just like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. a Takashi Miike film. It's... I'll never forget walking in on my ex-boyfriend watching Inchi the Killer and be like, yeah. oh dear God, it's, what did I just It's watch? like one of the tamest movies he's done, so. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so those are some of my, like, I think I'm like top five, I guess you would say, of the year that I really enjoyed. So I'm I'm excited to see what the rest of the year will hold. <laughs> <of films. laughs> next month, man, I got an oh, iconic film for you next month. I oh. can't wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't this wait. is where I'm like, I can either be super nervous or super excited. It's yeah. like, never it's like always a guessing game when it comes to list yeah just, just be nervous forever just be mm-hmm. nervous <laughs> so then this is going to lead me into the question that i have for you so obviously this month we're celebrating the two years of spinsters of horror and i spit on your podcast but as kelly's also mentioned earlier in the week it's also the one year of taboo terrors which was a new addition for kelly and something that she really branched into in terms of a very niche genre of extreme horror and I know you've shared a couple of them, but what are your top three out of the year that of the films that you've watched that you've really enjoyed and were really happy to talk about when it came to Taboo Terrors? Number one uh, is American Guinea Pig Sacrifice. I'm okay, obsessed yeah. with how intense and beautiful and graphic and empowering and interesting that movie was. Like, I, I can't stop thinking about it. And I would love to, I'm going to revisit it in the future because I just kind of talked about it. It was like that the duo with Blood Feast and an American Guinea Pig Sacrifice. Um, but probably in a year, I will revisit that for a full piece because that movie is amazing. It's, well, it's almost technically a short film because it's only an hour long, um, but it was amazing. It was still great in the sense I, I really recommend people go and read Kelly's review about that because she hits on some really interesting <laughs> points in her review about the imagery of Ishtar. And I think it's really interesting that when she makes that, she connects, makes this connection between these two different films and she's able to blow some people's minds. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I went to, went to some interesting places. I remember finishing Blood Feast and I thought, oh my God. I literally just last week watched a movie about the goddess Ishtar. So I might as well just like, let's throw these together because yeah. one, I fell, I fell in love with the other one I didn't like. So um, Dumplings is a really gross, wonderful movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that yes, was I a agree. pleasant surprise because I watched <laughs> I watched the short film first, Dumplings, and so got a little taste, pun intended, of Dumplings, and then I had to watch the film. So that was really fun. So those are two new movies to me. Yeah. Uh, what else did I do? I was kind of looking through it today, but I would probably say revisiting the woman because the woman is all another incredible graphic interesting movie very interesting movie lucky mckee makes some really weirdo movies that uh, i enjoy so i would say those are my top three american guinea pig sacrifice the woman and dumplings taboo terrors allows me to go and visit and discover really interesting wacky crazy movies and I am here for it so I am so happy that I started Taboo Terrors because if you folks have seen on social media like I really think that I have found my place in horror and I think this is where I have done some of my best work is has been in Taboo Terrors in the last year so 
I live for this type of scandal, to be honest. So this one's like kind of like a two-parter. They kind of go hand in hand. But Jessica, would you still call yourself a horror newbie? I don't think I would still call myself a horror newbie. And that's something I remember thinking in my very first podcast, The Dark Spectrum, being like, if I was a horror newbie, that eventually that premise is going to get old because you're going to watch enough horror movies yeah. to eventually get to a point where you're no longer considered a newbie. And I think yeah. we talked about this last year where I was like, yeah, I think I'm like moving yeah. up from newbie to like, you know, uh, rookie status to like, you know, Obviously, yeah. I am far from an expert, and obviously, I do not have uh, 20 something years under my belt of being a horror fan. But I feel like in the past uh, two years or so, that I've like just horror movies have now just become a regular rotation mm-hmm. in my life and the things that I talk about with people. And so, I don't think I consider myself a newbie anymore. Yeah, because you kind of live and breathe horror now. Like, I know I said it last year, but like, it's really like solidified. Like, you're truly converted, you're all yeah. in, you're like drenched with horror goodness. And like, as I look, because we're on Skype right now, I see the Void poster, Nosferatu, (laughs) Suspiria, skulls and creepy things. I know almost all of those movies I see behind you are horror movies and I couldn't be proud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially to now, like people like my partners and friends and all that, they know the moment they say something that's horror related or horror adjacent, I seem to have like this memory bank now. It's just like horror related, file away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, he was in that movie once in 1985, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I, so I just, I become a, a, yeah. a super nerd in the sense of that the moment people start bringing it up, I'd like jump in instead of being like just like a little tip of information. I'm just like, and here's my glossary of information of horror. <laughs> so what you said this was a two part question. So if I'm no longer a newbie, so what's the second question? Oh, it was more just like, what's it like to be a full fledged horror oh. fan now? Like you live and breathe it. It's like your life now. Like you're just in it, you're in it to win it. Hey, I feel more comfortable. I think when I was first coming out, I was really nervous because I was like, I understood and I seen how people treat people in the horror community like oh why are you wearing that t-shirt that's like give you the weird looks and I'm a very much of a person where I do not like to be the center of attention I do not like to do anything mm-hmm. that makes me stick out in a crowd yeah but I feel like with identifying more with my horror identity stuff like that I'm feeling more comfortable with and feeling okay with being a little bit like sticking out in the crowd that I have no problems now going out in public and wearing my Lucio Fulci zombie shirt and I realized mm-hmm. that the other day like I went out and I was like doing errands and I'm wearing my Lucio Fulci like the zombie shirt like that classic image mm-hmm. and I was like oh shit this thing's full of like maggots mm-hmm. and all these things and I didn't even realize it and like oh okay and I'm just wearing this out and about like this is a regular thing yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. perhaps giving you more confidence would you say yeah I, I think I have more confidence um when it comes to just like enjoying the films and talking about them stuff like that not necessarily enough confidence yet when it comes to writing about them but I'm getting there I'm getting better <laughs> I do feel like there are people who are way ahead of me when it comes to writing and analyzing horror that mm-hmm. are that I'm still a bit of a newbie to that. They all started somewhere. Alex West started somewhere, right? Yeah, that's true. In terms of how do you feel like your kind of horror, horror has always been a part of your life. Like ever since I've known you, it's always been uh, a part of your life in the sense of just watching movies. How do you feel like your relationship with horror is now that you're more engrossed in the sense that you are reading and writing about it on a regular basis and you're kind of like spending more time ana- analyzing the films that you used to watch instead of like I know you enjoy them for enjoyment sakes as well but stepping from one section of a horror fan to a new section Mm. like being a a contributor a content creator I'm gonna bring this back to taboo terrors and I I've kind of answered a little bit of this in it might have been my in my beyond horror review which was also a favorite that's really great documentary just in the sense that kind of how I feel and I think the reason why I've I have now like fallen like head over heels
falls in love with extreme cinema is because after 25 years of seeing so many movies, mainstream or not, I've been, I guess, as it seems anyways, because of my reaction and how much I'm loving all of this now, as opposed to, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I'm ready or at least looking for something that does give me more of that visceral effect, those visceral, intense feelings, because I just find that a lot of mainstream stuff doesn't really do it for me. And Mm. this is not something that, like, I think everyone should feel and everyone should go through eventually. Really, like, do, again, live your own authentic life, man. Do whatever you want. Enjoy horror however you want. Because I still watch, I watch everything. I literally watch everything. New, old, B movies, D movies, indie, mainstream. Like, I watch everything. I just want to take it all in. Yeah. But I think that is a realm of horror that most people don't talk about, they don't think about, they don't give any respect to. And I'm beginning to feel like that that is incredibly short-sighted of them. And I've dabbled... I've definitely dabbled in some wacky extreme stuff over the years. Again, old partner Brandon was like huge into all of that. The gorier, the nastier, the crazier, the better. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I want to watch all this. I'll watch it. I'll take it all in. Um, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I've also discovered that I just don't think I'm very strong at like straight up review writing. I just, I think that is not really my forte and I can understand and respect that for myself and just like, yep, no, I'm not really good at that. But doing the like combo of like a bit of a review, bit of a dissection, as I call it. I think that is where I'm strong at. Also, besides having a strong stomach. (laughs) Um, And doing the editorials and stuff for Taboo Terrors, just talking about films and talking about things that are very, well, hence taboo, right? That the vast majority of horror fans do not watch, nor do I think that they necessarily appreciate. Do I think they have to appreciate it and enjoy it? No. Do I think they should respect it as an art form? Yes. So I was going to say, like, you feel like it's kind of infused? your love of horror again in the sense of like I just feel like do you feel like invigorated again by it all like as you're exploring Um, this I think so actually yeah after all this time uh, I think invigorated is a good word for it because I think I I have found some really wonderful and very interesting films and I have really enjoyed dissecting them and looking at different themes and elements of them because again people assume that these films don't really have anything to say but I think a lot of them have a lot to say if you're interested Mm -hmm. in that kind of thing if you're not you can watch American Giddy Pig Sacrifice and, and just lament and love, maybe lament's not the right word, but revel in the graphic, gory penectomies of, of the film. Okay. Like it is a blood-soaked film and enjoy it for whatever, for any merit. Just, I, yeah. yeah. So I think it has invigorated it in a sense for sure. A new newfound love for at least a, in a certain aspect of, of horror. An unloved aspect. Yeah, well it's been interesting being someone on the sidelines of this like watching you grow with taboo terrors and the people that you've been meeting along the way you're getting more involved in that community as small as it is and I've been able to edit some of your interviews you know I just I feel like there's there's these really interesting people that are coming out of the woodwork in the sense and I think that's really interesting really creative people in part of that genre of horror that to really help bring those ideas that real like one of the reasons why I love the horror genre is that it brings the truth to us but it brings us in such a way that it's like so 
in your face are like, oh, I can't handle this. And then, of course, extreme horror takes it to that other level where it was like, you know, if I couldn't handle, you know, the scene in Antichrist where she cuts off her clitoris, I, I definitely would not be able to handle a scene if, of something like that if it was taken to more of a graphic level with extreme horror. But I feel like there's a sense of creativity. There's also a sense of, oh, what's the sensitivity around that subject? And I know that seems weird to say, oh, extreme horror has a sense of sensitivity to it. But I think it does at the same time, too, though, because it's going to it's going to incite um, emotions and visceral reactions in people. That's what it's in, is what it's meant to do. And I feel like mm-hmm. if extreme horror doesn't do that, then something's wrong. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're, so, yeah. Anyway, sometimes not so sensitive, but that's OK, too. Like there's room for for all of these points of view. Mm-hmm. And yes, thank you again, as always, for editing that very content heavy stuff. Because <laughs> I go to places like these movie go to places. I love going to these places. I yeah, love yeah. writing about the female corpse. Like it was, it was challenging, but I enjoyed it so much. So happy to do it. I am happy to be one of the few people that do it. You know what's wrong. You don't give it up. You can't. There you go. You're one of the true uh, <laughs> adventurers into that that extreme realm of things. Yeah. Okay. I have two more questions for you. All right. And um, the next one is: What's one episode of the podcast that you'd like to do over, or what's your least favorite episode and why? Oh goodness. Um, the one that comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm is I would like to do over episode four, which is our episode on witches. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I think we were so young, so young into the podcast. (laughs) We were so excited about how much... Yeah. about what we were doing and we're and I think we're also still trying to define the direction we wanted to go in mm-hmm. terms of how we wanted the formats of our podcast to go to like lay out mm-hmm. and how we interact with one another and that I you know recently listened to that one again and as much as there's so much information and so much good information in it it's a slog of a mm. podcast episode to Ooh, get through scathing review of our own podcast <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey as, as a as a content creator sometimes you need to like <laughs> step back and be like you know what as much as I love elements of this episode, it was one of our, and I think it was one of those episodes where we realized, we're like, okay, we are putting way too much information into these episodes to really keep things entertaining and interesting. Mm -hmm. So that for me was like the one that I would love to redo over again, just because A, as a witch, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many elements that Mm -hmm. we could have explored in just terms of like one area of that episode and then maybe go back and revisiting different areas and I know eventually we'll revisit witches mm-hmm. again but mm-hmm. that was one that was just like really hefty on the information mm-hmm. yes <laughs> if I turn it on to me I, w- I would agree with that but mainly and this I think about all the time I don't know why this okay. plagues me. The ghostly investigations. Uh, I just, I don't know. I do think about it all the time. It has that heavy episode four feel to it without yep. a lot of movie discussion and analysis. And I was, it was like, what is that? Six, that was like episode seven. Like it was such interesting stuff. But then, yeah, for some reason we kind of changed up the format without even really realizing again, again, newbies. But like, and we also had James have a little guest spot on it and it had such, it had such wonderful potential. We talked talked about some interesting movies and I would love to revisit that as much as like ghosts and like haunted houses and stuff like that is like my least favorite
favorite subgenre. I think we could have done that one a lot better. And again, it plagues me. It plagues me, at least in the witch one, though it was heavy and over like two hours long. There was some good discussion there about witches, about, you know, season of the witch and autopsy of the Jane Doe. There's some really great stuff there. That should have been a two-parter. But, you know, we live and we learn. And um, (laughs) yeah, so you're plagued by episode four and I'm plagued by episode seven after all this time. Yeah, (laughs) it's totally true. And like I said, episode seven, too, was one of those ones where I was very excited to do as well because yeah that's my genre that's my yeah. jam ghost and haunted houses yeah. and stuff like that and we took on I feel so I feel it's like sometimes you need to just like take those bigger ideas and just kind of break them down a little yeah. bit and yeah. just yeah so we've learned we have grown from this yes we have okay my last question it's a big one. Oh gosh. okay okay <laughs> I'm so scared Jess has been scared for two years working with me um you never know what I'm gonna say how's your head well, I haven't had any complaints yet Okay, so over the last two years, uh, uh, definitely in the last year for sure, uh, you've written some very personal, very emotional pieces. So going into Spencer's of Horror, like we knew we wanted to do some writing and stuff for it, but did you plan on doing that or did has it just happened organically? That's part one. Honestly, I did not plan my, as I call it, my spectral ruminations to go that route. Originally, when I thought about writing for Spencer's of Horror, I wanted to kind of do like movie reviews. A, like I wanted to like, you know, test my watch to really look at some movies that not a lot of people talk about and kind of add more of my voice to the conversation. And I also just wanted to kind of have, you know, I would read some of these amazing articles and these concepts and ideas and Rue Morgue Magazine and Grimm Magazine. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I want to have a talk about. I see some of these elements in these films as well. I want to have, a co- I want to open a conversation around them as well. However, I didn't realize as I was writing that one of the reasons why I connect so much with the horror community and a lot of some of these movies that I write about is because there's a lot of personal lived experience for me mm-hmm. and it just my writing tends to weave in between being either um, academic or it can be very personal and I'm trying to find a balance of weaving both my academic side because I have a dude like when I, Kelly has caught me a couple times in terms of some of my writing where like I can go like heavy academic and then it'd be mm-hmm. like oh am I reading a thesis because this is mm-hmm. not what I signed up for <laughs> or it can be like mm-hmm. super personal and then I'm like sometimes I'm like oh I need to rein some of the back in because like I'm a bit of a person where I tend to have some walls up so I tend to try and blend both in my writing and so some of the films that we've just have seemed to tackle or some of the films that I've conned to revisit again just Mm -hmm. kind of really bring that up in my writing and I don't tend to I don't know I just it doesn't tend to happen it just goes that way Mm -hmm. I you know before I used to resist it because I'd be like oh I don't want all these people to know so much about my fucked up life (laughs) or or the the weird things I have to say or the weird things in my brain but um, sometimes it just happens and I notice that sometimes those are the ones that people seem to gravitate to the most so yeah. So, and you kind of touched on it briefly just in that last sentence, but like, so how do you feel about putting that kind of stuff out into the world, especially if somebody who normally has a lot, like some walls up, it's, it's, it is very personal. It's very private and you're putting it out there for, for people to learn about and to read about. How do you, how does that make you feel? Well, at first it made me feel very uncomfortable because like I said, I'm mm-hmm. a person that typically has walls up and I don't let people in or when I do let people in, it's like very, um, it takes me a long, long time to do that. But I, I noticed that something, especially over the last uh, year and a bit is that people need community survivors and people who have undergone really traumatic events in their lives, they need community. They need to know that there are other people out there who have experienced something similar Mm -hmm. and understand what type of tools or resources they have found to help them go through the, the harder times that they have gone through in their lives. And so 
at first, while I felt very uncomfortable about it, and actually, as I'm speaking about this, tomorrow's blog post episode, mm-hmm. which you guys will obviously have read, will have read this by the time that this is released, it's very personal, and I've actually struggled a lot this week with it and with uh, releasing it because it's opening up some elements of my life that were very painful for me. But I feel like it's kind of necessary, especially in this day and age, that sometimes having walls, while they're good and they're there to protect you, they also don't necessarily help other people and other people who are in those situations and how you know you can change things around and and life can go in other directions when you recognize that maybe you're not in the best place in your life and you need some help I got very heavy yes well I knew it was going to be a heavy question um and I agree I think people tend to gravitate more to that and even in private I have said to Jess that I think she's she's just you're a very relatable person um I think that's why a lot of people just really like you and like the work that you do because it's like deeply personal and yes I I agree with you that's incredible I I love that. And yeah, it's, it is helpful to know that other people have, have experienced the same type of thing. I'm sure that would be helpful. Again, I, I'm not, I can't really speak from experience, but, you know, reading the internet and social media and what everybody else is saying, like peers and stuff like that, I, I can agree that that would be helpful. Do you think that it's helped you? Yes. Yeah. I think that it's, it's, it's helped me in the sense that it's helped me to, you know, as much as I don't like revisiting some of those areas of my life, it allows me to go back and have some reflection and analysis around it. And it allows me to also connect with other people, like especially when we did like the rape revenge episode and I came and I talked about and I had that one blog piece that I did mm-hmm. about being a survivor. I was able to connect with a lot of other women in the community who also who have gone through some sort of experience similar to that or their own tra- uh, sexual trauma. And, mm-hmm. and it's like in a way you credit create like a support community a community of support because you know while you can have up walls and you can do everything you can to protect yourself you end up isolating yourself and making your healing a lot harder Mm. in the end I could see that I could see that being true I know that I have learned more about you in two years than I have in like 18 (laughs) years prior to that so thank you uh Spencer the Forer Project (laughs) many times I've been editing Jess's blog post I've been like what the fuck (laughs) yeah well I I know I definitely yeah the comment from the most recent one you're just like what what I did not know and I'm just like yeah this is an area of my life I don't really talk about because kind of I can see that it's kind of a bit of a shit show (laughs) yeah yeah it seems to be more than I even realized (laughs) Uh, uh -uh. anyways that's the last of my questions for you those are some good questions some hefty questions and I think I've got another question for you in the sense that I was thinking and now we're gonna taboo terrors aside what do you feel like in doing this project for the last two years you struggled when we especially when we first started with this project with uh imposter syndrome and how you were kind of feeling with uh, with your writing and the things you're coming out with and i know with taboo terror you terrors you have felt more comfortable with what's been coming out but i wanted to kind of check in with you now and see how you're feeling now in the sense of the project and Right. Your role in it. I only felt that imposter syndrome be- literally before we started. But once the project got rolling, it went away forever. So I'm not one to honestly be insecure and fixate on something that's maybe bothering me. I don't just wallow away and hold back, let's say. That's really what I'm like. I don't hold back. It's. I was worried at first. It was more of the podcast element of it because I had no idea what I was doing. It was more of just, it was such a brand new thing for me. I wasn't really sure how it was all going to go. But like, again, 
once we got rolling and months went by, it went away and like pretty quickly. And I haven't felt it since it's I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, I've been a fan of horror for 25 years, so I think I have a legitimate opinion and I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it without fear. Again, fearless person. So and I know some people struggle with it and like I get it. There's a lot of hands raised, both hands <laughs> raised. <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of the similar things, you know, that that we're doing. There's a lot of voices out there. Thankfully, a lot more women voices now. So like I can totally understand where people are coming from if they if they feel it. But I live a very generally fearless life. I give zero fucks about a lot of things. So I just went for it and turned out even better than I had even imagined. So I'm, again, very happy and thankful for it. I can definitely say that if it wasn't for your fearlessness, I think the project would have taken a lot longer to get to the point where it is now in the sense of uh, Kelly's fearlessness. (laughs) She just, you don't let things hold you back. You're like, I'm going to contact this person. I'm going to reach out here. All the things that you say you're doing as our social media and marketing (laughs) manager, I'm terrified of and being like, oh dear God, I don't want to bother them. (laughs) And you're like, no, I guess like I want to do this. And it's it's great because you've been that it's that fearlessness has helped us grow so much as a podcast Mm -hmm. and as a brand of the Spencers of Horror. And then also like, you know, literally pushing me out the nest to be like, write something, you know, Mm -hmm. go deeper. I've done. I remember I've said that like earlier, some earlier pieces of yours. I've been like, no, we need to go more personal. I'm like, what? I can tell you're holding back. And what will really give some oomph to this piece is if you don't hold back. And again, people relate to the not holding back. They want a relatable story, you know, and so he's got to put it out there. Yeah. And thank you. And I agree because I I know (laughs) I know of your previous podcast experience, which, you know, unfortunately didn't really go anywhere because there was nobody taking the lead of making it go somewhere. And that's not how I live my life. And I'm going to take the lead and I'm going to get shit done. I'm going to have all these ideas and I'm going to keep it going. I pretty much exclusively run the social media stuff. I'm always out there. A lot of the fun things that we do, a lot of my ideas just to boost things kind of forward and just make us like a really interesting, unique uh, project. This is going to be my hobby. I'm going all in. Justin and I had this conversation recently. I don't half-ass anything. If I'm doing something, I'm 500% in. So I'm here. (laughs) Be damned. Yeah. Which is absolutely amazing. So yeah, it's been fun. (laughs) Yeah. Rise and shine, people. It's your wake-up call. So I think now's the time to get into something really fun, too. Yeah. Talking about more horror movies. Yeah, it's all about the horror films. (laughs) All about the horror films. And I feel like this conversation is also just kind of, like, I know as, like, a podcast episode, we'll probably cover this decade of horror, but I feel like this is going to turn into a couple 20-minute discussion about horror in the the 2010s. (laughs) Well, yeah. So now we're going to talk about our top five films of the past decade. They may have some overlap. We might not. In the end. Though Jess and I do have some favorite films that overlap, we actually have, I think, a pretty different Mm -hmm. things that we enjoy about films, which is just, I think that just makes us have like a really interesting, fun dynamic. Um, And I have to say, in the past decade, I've seen probably approximately 200 movies, 200 horror films. I stopped counting at 100. I was like, okay, this is like over 100. It's definitely, (laughs) it's definitely about 200 films. So this was, this was challenging. And I even wrote them all down. I went year by year throughout the 
decade to write down everything I had seen, bolded, like the the ones that like really stood out in my mind to help bring together this list. And I don't know about you, but when you were putting it together, did you ever feel bad that you left out a movie? Like who, I don't owe anyone anything, but I was like, oh no, but this movie, I'm like, I loved you too, but. (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny because like as I was going through, I did the same thing. I went like through the year by year list from like 2010 to 2019 and I'd be like, oh, this movie, oh, this is a good one. This is good. I'm like, and I realized, I'm like, I've seen a lot of films from that time period and Mm -hmm. a lot of my favorite films come from this time period Mm -hmm. and it was hard and I had to like be like criteria. I'm like, would I watch this movie again? (laughs) Will I, are there imagery from this movie that really sticks in my mind? And that's how I had to build like my top five based on that. Right. And I did, there were some movies that are in my honorable mentions that I'm like, I'm sorry you didn't make the top five. You're in the top 10, just not the top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't owe you anything, but for some reason I felt bad. I actually have been, I revisited some just to see, like refresh my memory. I wish I could have revisited not 200 movies, but like a bunch of them. Some of them I even own, but uh, I wasn't able to. Some I actually, because I'm off work currently, folks, I have some time. So I actually checked out a whole bunch of different ones that I hadn't seen in the last decade. Those did not make the list anyways, but uh, yeah. Okay, let's do a one for one reveal and a short little discussion about it. Okay. Are we starting from number five going to one? I didn't put mine in any order. They're just top five. Oh, okay. So for me, the first film I'm going to talk about that's in my top five is 2019's Bliss. Whoa. Yeah. This is a recent (laughs) film that obviously I just saw when it first came out in February and I was blown away from it in the sense of that I didn't know what to expect going into the film. Mm -hmm. I love the psychedelic colors and the imagery and stuff like that, but this was such um, a modern, refreshing take on the vampire on vampire lore and the whole idea of the hunger and power and all that stuff and, yeah. the connect, and obviously like really hammering in that whole connection to like a you know drug addiction and blood addiction and I just really end up really liking this film a lot to the point where like yeah I did a monthly pick on it mm-hmm. I've watched it three times since like since then I'm probably gonna watch it again because I love the music I love the soundtrack too I listen to it quite often when I'm at work so yeah Bliss is an honorable mention of mine I love a lot of the things that uh, you have also stated and in your monthly pick so folks go read that on our website yeah again vampire films give them to me all of them yeah. and if you're going to be interesting with this wicked like cinematography and music oh yeah no that was one oh, of those movies imagery. that like afterwards I was like pumped and I love watching those movies where like what and it just like gives you life like horror films can do that they can give you yeah. life and yeah. excite you and not often like I watch so many movies I think I've watched over like a hundred movies in the last three months Hello, pandemic. <laughs> but um, but not all of them just like get into you and you can really get into it. And I agree that movie was quite stellar. One of mine is Raw. One of my top five is Raw. Honorable mention over here. Yeah. I rewatched it. I didn't even necessarily need to. I knew it was always going to be on in my top five, uh, but I love it so, so much. I saw it in theaters. Like there was a screening of it, one of these little indie uh, theaters, little cinemas here in Toronto. And that blew me away. Like I love the music in that film. I love the acting and the dynamic between the sister and it's sexy and it's interesting. And I just thought it was a really unique horror film. And 
and it's just stunning and graphic and weird and kind of gross and moving all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I just kind of in awe of Raw. I, um, like I said, that was an honorable mention for me. I watched it. You, you had me watch it for Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Uh, yes. When, uh, the first year I watched that one and then it stayed in my mind for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I recently written about it for Grim Magazine a section in one of mm-hmm. the article that's going to be coming out uh, as it's a part of coming of age horror film and for a film that I thought would really gross me out it was actually one that really entranced me and I really liked it as well. I also wrote a monthly pick on it for I think it was Cannibal yes, Month. Yes you did. Yeah. Yep. So highlight it. Maybe one day we'll talk about it but uh, yeah definitely a top five of the last decade. It's a, it's incredible. The next one of my top five is I just absolutely adore this movie and it has such a special place in my heart for but what we do in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. You know, sometimes I forget that that's technically like a comedy horror film. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just so fucking funny. <laughs> but it's so, yeah, exactly. It's so great in the sense of that it's got it's got some gore to it. Yeah. It's got, yeah. you know, it's parody of vampires. Like each of the different vampires represent a different type of vampire in that we've seen in the horror films. And it's just, it's a movie that you introduced me to. Yep. We watched it at my place in Ottawa when you picked it up. And I fell in yeah. love with it because I, I love that dry type of humor. Mm-hmm. And just, it's a movie that I go back to all the time. And it's my feel good movie. I, you know, it's a quote, it's a quotable movie. We are trying to attract victims to us. Not sure about the waistcoat. I go for a look which I call dead but delicious. We are the bait, but we are also the trap. Hello, ladies. And the series has been great, Mm -hmm. so it's in my top five. (laughs) It's uh, for good reason, obviously. I don't think anyone dislikes that movie. And if you dislike what we do in the shadows, I I don't know. I I don't know. I don't understand. I can't relate to you. I I can't like you. Yes. (laughs) I... Oh, that movie is just plain out hilarious. So yes, that is the next one on my list. I'll just go in order that I have them here is... The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Okay, okay. So I revisited that because I haven't watched it since we talked about it in episode four. So like almost two years ago, two, a year and a half ago. Revisited it. Also for that, but also wanted to visit for my corpse piece. Um, Wow. It is scary. It's unique. It's so bleak. And it has such a wonderful, powerful reveal. And I'm so sad that... That was ruined for me. That's what happens. If I read about movies or listen to podcasts, like it's going to happen that things, you know, you're going to have spoiler alerts that aren't there and you're going to spoil it for you. You have to like stay away from reading about it. But uh, yeah, I think that movie is powerful and it's scary and it's interesting. I'm glad we talked about it for the podcast. Uh, I'm glad I got to at least briefly talk about it for my for my female corpse piece. But that has incredible staying power and it has a spooky old song in it. Yes, it does. We know you don't like spooky old songs. <laughs> that movie was an honorable mention for me. That was uh, one uh, I really enjoyed that film as well. And I was warned not to read anything about the film to be able to really enjoy it. So I, I remember taking that warning when I got it. I think it's uh, Raven Banner. Mm-hmm. We got it at the Raven Banner booth. And like, don't read anything about this movie before you watch it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really good about because, that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so I'm glad I did it because like the surprise yeah. for me was like a great reveal at the end. I'm like, what? This is a what movie? Movie. Obviously, if you guys are listening to this, spoiler, we did it for the witches episode. It's a witch movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you don't know by now. I, I don't know. I 
again, I can't help you. So that movie, it was just so, so refreshing and powerful for me. And I love it so much. It's just that's one that I, I do think about for sure often. Number three for me is The Devil's Candy. Ooh. So I, yeah, I, for some reason I just love, I love the imagery in this movie so much. Um, also can't help the fact that like, is it Ethan Embry? Oh yes. Looks gorgeous in this movie. Oh, like dance. he's just like, it's <laughs> like if I know my ideal like metal man, it's like right oh, there. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Right there. <laughs> Long hair, beard, spindly. <laughs> <laughs> I have a type apparently. Yep. Anyway, but also too, like it's a disturbing movie in, in the sense of, of the the topic it's obviously addressing which is um the like murdering of children and it's very sad mm-hmm. and but i think it handles sadness in such a way that it's sensitive to that mm-hmm. and also interesting because it's also kind of considered a possession film as well mm-hmm. in terms of both Ethan, Ethan Embry's character and the character of the the man who is the murderer he's also technically possessed by some court, sort of a demonic force that's yeah. drawing him to do what he's doing but the imagery is good the ideas around it I just it's a movie that I've watched multiple times and it's actually one that I'm seeking to own so I will add it to my collection I've only watched it once and I did love it that first the first time I haven't revisited it for no particular reason I just I just haven't yeah that was I I will follow up with that that was a great movie and one that like there really unnerved me Mm -hmm. uh, again which is challenging to do after 25 years it was more when the the murderer uh the young girl turns around and he's in her bed I was like "Mm -hmm." oh yeah Uh, I got like really uncomfortable like a lump in my throat I was like oh good God. Uh, yeah. Whew, it's intense. It's definitely an intense movie with sweet music. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely sweet music. My next one, which is my funny one of the group, is Cabin in the Woods. Main thing is that she, you know, suffers. That she did. It's so strange. I'm, I'm actually rooting for this girl. She's got so much heart. You think of all that. Pain and the hunt. Tequila is my lady! My lady! Come on in, guys. Come on in. Come on in. You're welcome. Tequila from darkness. There is light. My cabin in the woods is your what we do in the shadows. So if you put Joss Whedon on anything, I will pretty much watch it. Unless it's superhero stuff, I don't always watch that. But Joss Whedon plus Drew Goddard created this. I did a review on it on the website, folks. Uh, created this wonderful, meta, funny, spooky horror movie that just has Joss Whedon all over it. One of my favorite Whedonverse uh, actors, Fran Krantz, Chris Hemsworth before he was like Thor, uh, before he was a big name. And it's just like Sigourney Weaver. It's just so fun. And I think it's so brilliant and it's so well done. And it's so funny. And that one I have watched many times since it came out. Many times. Yeah, I know you introduced it to me, and I remember being like, tell me about this movie. You're like, I can't. I literally cannot tell you anything about this movie because it <laughs> ruined it. But I love that it's like a meta horror film, and that's one of like the last meta horror films that we've seen in the last decade. Yeah, it's, it's a really enjoyable film. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, your next one? My next one. Uh, so well, I technically did things in, the, in a ranking, so obviously if I'm... You know, the way I'm going is I'm going from uh, five to one. Okay. So number two for me, and I know this surprises people, but 
I just can't help it. It is The Void. It is not number one, <laughs> but it is number two. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we already, we've already listened to a whole episode of yes. me talking about this yeah. film. So I'm not going to go into it. But we don't guys, need to. I just love this film. It's top five for me. Yeah. Uh, yes. We just released Spencer versus Spencer on The Void. So you can listen. And if you're part of our Facebook coven group, you can watch the Skype video yes. of us debating this movie because Jess loves it. Obviously in her top five movies of the decade and top five horror movies of all time, folks. Can you believe mm-hmm. it? And yep. I don't really care for the movie. So yes. go listen to Spinster versus Spinster on that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what about you? My next one is The Witch. Oh. See, I might as well just say that one's number one for me. Oh, yes. So. Well, if you're yeah. ranking it, if The Witch wasn't going to be on your top five of the last decade, I don't even know you then. <laughs> That's the only one that I knew I could predict would be on there. Yeah. Oh, The Witch. There's so much one could say on The Witch. It is not one that I think that we have specifically tackled in any way. It's been mentioned a few times, I think, in something that, stuff that you've written. I did, like, an honorable mention for our Witches Month because I wrote about the craft for our monthly pick, but yeah. a little honorable mention of The Witch at the bottom. Holy crap, Robert Eggers. This, this movie is very divisive between horror fans. People either love it to death or they hate it. I don't understand. I can be really objective about things, but I don't understand how anyone could like hate this movie because there are people that use definitely use the words hate. I don't know how you could hate this movie. Did I have to after a couple of watches did I finally understand what they were saying? Yes. But that just brought like a lot of charm <laughs> to me. Like when I watched it for the first time, I was like, what are they saying? <laughs> But I love that authenticity of it. You have to respect yes. that. And it's a lot of like you're watching the movie and there's body language. You you get the gist of what, you know, the kids, especially the children, you know, what they're saying. And like they made like a horror icon out of Black Phillip. That movie is yeah. just brilliant and beautiful and dark and empowering. And I just I love it so much, so much. And I will I'm echoing all of the same sentiments. <laughs> I think that, like you said, the closest we came to talk about it is, like you said, monthly pick. I wrote about it in the great magazine that's coming out. Also, the last time we actually talked about it was on the Dead Ringers podcast episode where we talked right. about the witch and the Black Coat's daughter. So that was like long, long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I have all, a lot of the same feelings. It's just a film that I go back to and enjoy it time and time again. I see something new every time I watch it. I understand mm-hmm. like two. It's like you said there it is very divided people either love or hate this movie i've recently read an article about how someone was like how can you find thomason's role empowering mm-hmm. if anything she's giving into what the stereotype of what she is and just becoming another servant of the dark lord and so once again she's still just following a, a misogynistic path for mm-hmm. her and i was like huh interesting i've read about that too yep yeah yeah i'm like let me revisit that uh you know have a conversation around that myself but it is like the film that I go to time and time again. Anytime anyone ever asks me, what's your favorite horror movie? I'm like, The Witch. Right away. 2016, The Witch. (laughs) So good. All right. I think it's just me to have a last one. Yep. My last one is 2012 remake of Maniac. Okay. So this one you have not seen. No, and I've been told not to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, I would not recommend the original or this necessarily for you. As far as remakes go, so wonderful. It's got a wonderful synth soundtrack starring Elijah Wood as our titular serial killer in in the film and I love where they went with this movie it's the original is very like dark dirty gritty Joe Spinell is the actor that plays the killer R.I.P. Joe Spinell but like he's like your typical like 
gross. Yep, he would be a serial killer type looking mm. guy. Whereas Elijah Wood is very just like innocent and unassuming. And I just think that's brilliant because in reality, <laughs> yeah, in reality, a lot of the men that we should be fearing are the ones that look literally like everyone else are Jeffrey Dahmer's, Ted Bundy. Like those are the mm. creepiest fuckers out there because they look and they seem really nice and well-meaning and soft-spoken but they will scalp you in the middle of your own apartment the other brilliant things i love about it is that pretty much the entire movie is in a pov shot of elijah wood's character so the entire movie is just like his life and how he sees everything and it's full of mannequins and mannequins are creepy and it has a really disturbing weird ending that will stay in everyone's minds once they watch it i was able to revisit that recently and because i i hadn't seen it for a number of years um, but i was like i need to find this movie i need to watch it. I need to know if this is in my top five. I'm pretty sure that it is. But anyways, rewatched it. Holy moly. As a remake, brilliant, just as its own horror movie, which it would stand on, is so, so unnerving and so wonderful. All right. Honorable mentions. Go for it. Just list them off. So my honorable mentions were The Innkeepers, Get Out, American Mary, It Follows, Starry Eyes, The Invitation, obviously The Autopsy of Jane Doe, The Love Witch, Raw, Assassination Nation, Mandy, the Suspiria remake, and Color Out of Space. Those Ooh. are my honorable mentions. Um, since I've seen over 200 movies in the last decade, <laughs> um, even honorable mentions was hard because there were so many that are, it's been an incredible decade of horror movies. Like every decade is wonderful in its own way, but there have been so, so many wonderful, different, wacky, interesting films that have come out in the last decade. So my honorable mentions I put down here and this list would grow if I allowed it. But I kept it relatively short. Bliss, The Innkeepers, Scream 4, You're Next, Train to Busan, Stakeland. Oh, Stakeland, I'm sorry. I didn't, that's one movie I was, it was really hard for me. You felt bad about. Yep. Uh, Summer of 84, Bit, Assassination Nation, The Babadook, Sinister, and American Guinea Pig, Sacrifice. Nice. There's so many more I would add to that, but that's it. Those are my honorable mentions, and it hurts me to say so, but it's been an incredible decade. Folks, if you haven't watched a bunch of movies from the last decade, holy moly, I got some recommendations for you if you need them, but that's our top five. And I am so pleased to say that this has been an Ari Aster free zone. <laughs> <laughs> Not in our honorable mentions, not uh, in our top fives. No. We'll leave it at that. No, sorry, everyone. We're 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 Eggers fans. We're like, yeah. Well, I'm on the fence. I love the witch. Yeah. <laughs> the lighthouse. I, don't I still know. have to see the lighthouse. So lighthouse. I don't know. I'm waiting for his Viking film. I'm sure he'll win me back. Ooh, I'm sure, okay. he'll win me back. What dost thou want? What canst thou give? What's the like? talk about briefly kind of where we've been and where are we going because folks we've we've traveled this has been a journey we have traveled far and wide as kelly always says did i time travel yeah <laughs> I, exactly exactly kelly time travels a lot oh my god all the time and not even in a fun way we briefly talked about this earlier but I feel like we have now like 100% for many, many months now have found our stride with what we want to accomplish with our podcast. Mm -hmm. Early on in the last, you know, two years,
years ago when we started really trying to find our footing. But I really think really probably in the past year, like there's really not even much we need to talk about when we, you know, kind of discuss to get feedback for previous, you know, each month to month for our episodes. But I'm so proud and happy to have landed where we have right now. I love that just with all of the two years of research and the discussion of the films, like all these things that we can just keep like the previous research and stuff we've learned, we can throw into the new new months, the new themes. Like we can just yeah. throw everything together and we just keep, keep building on our knowledge base and we can just easily talk about a lot of different things. And I love that. I love that. I mean, you're not going to find two hour episodes of ours anymore. Our cool 120, 130, and that's kind of it. And I think we have found like this really wonderful mix of analysis and discussion and research and just really interesting ideas. And I am so happy that our podcast has come to where it is now. And once again, I'm going to echo your sentiments, Kelly. <laughs> I feel like we've come to a place where our podcast episodes are more poignant and powerful in the sense of the things that we're talking about. And I really like that, you know, we mix it up. We're not just doing mm-hmm. like every episode is like a hard hitting, like we're, you know, mm-hmm. develop, we're, we're talking gender issues. We're talking um, cultural issues. Like, no, 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 we're, we're going to like, we're do a couple of those and then we're going to have a fun month. We're going to like go into and talk about the things that reasons why we're horror fans and enjoy and have a good, you know, good time talking about the things that are fun. And I like that. So it brings in that a lightness mm-hmm. to, uh, to the episode. So, you know, so you can always expect that we'll have some good, like hard hitting episodes and then we'll have something to kind of like cleanse your palate <laughs> to get ready <laughs> for the next. Load. Totally. The load. Yeah. yeah. We, um, last year we decided to, to focus on doing that to like every like three, four or five months, depending on how things are going, like just take it easy a little bit. We don't want to take a whole month off, but we just want to lighten yeah. the load. Like you said, and just, just relax a little bit because as much as horror is, is political and it's fascinating and it has a lot of social commentary. Horror is also scary and it's spooky and we love yeah. you know stuff that scares us. So we want to talk about all the aspects, you know, what makes horror so scary. And like one of my favorite episodes we did was on space horror and a space horror because <laughs> space is terrifying and those movies are yes. terrifying, you know? Yes, they are. You know, in possession horror, very interesting stuff we talked about, but that stuff is scary. Wait until we do underwater horror. Oh, oh my God. goodness. So, so talking about, you know, a variety of different things that there is to, to talk about with horror, but also never forgetting that horror is spooky and it's scary. It's spectacular. So we got to get back to that. So I love that we have, you know, also just helpful for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mental, emotional <laughs> loans for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, get that return to what horror can be for some people, and that's what it is escapism. Totally. We go back and forth between hurting stuff and escaping a bit. (laughs) Mm, Exactly, and that's what I love, the escapism. I love it. I know all I can say for myself is I love that we have decided to it's more quality over quantity. Like when we started, we were going to do one episode a month. You were going to release two blog posts a month. I was going to do, we- I was doing weekly movie reviews. Yeah. Holy moly. And that's a lot of work folks for a hobby. So scaling back to the point where I'm, well, now it's been taboo terrors, but me doing like yes. the one podcast episode a month that we can, we have more than enough time to like flesh it out, get a good episode going. I have, you know, a month to get, taboo terrors going and ready to flesh that out again I did it was really hard to bang all that content out and have quality like I struggled a lot and like why was I doing that to myself and who wants to read that you know yeah every two weeks was better but like now this is I think really wonderful and you're you're now to one blog post or like a review per month and I think yes. that workload has really 
been a very important factor in just, again, the quality of, of content that we're putting out there. And I'm really glad that we have done that. Again, hit our stride in, in what we want to do. Quality over quantity. So one of the ideas, again, for our fun months, when we don't have, you know, a heavy load of like research and discussion and stuff that we're going to be doing for the podcast, I decided now we've done two episodes of Spinster versus Spinster. So I thought it would be fun to, well, have a little fun, friendly debate Um, because Jess and I are really I think really wonderful in the fact that if either one of us doesn't like a movie but the other one loves like you know it's not a competition we don't really care we just poke fun at each other and it's we've been talking about Suspiria for years now and (laughs) (laughs) that's why it had to be episode one of Spinster versus Spinster because you know it's we just we just have fun with that and just to have a little bit of extra content but we do it every couple of months um, I thought it would be great just to to relax put some extra content out there have a fun casual debate and conversation and also engage with you listeners and create a conversation around more films where it's not so research based and we can just have just a chat this is like it's like straight up banter you know which yes. is what we we don't have a lot of necessarily speaking in the the actual i spin in your podcast so i thought that was a really fun idea and i can't wait to create more ideas and more uh, content for that specifically oh yeah kelly you're always coming up with new ideas we're gonna do this <laughs> and this and i'm just like sure as long as I got enough time to edit, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is something that I'm obviously with the evolution of this podcast, I'm getting better at and learning and uh, learning more every day and hopefully, I, you know, making the quality of our podcast better and better with each one that comes out. So, yeah, I think it's fun. The the content, the like on the fun months we have. I also like um, if you aren't a member of the Facebook uh, Spinsters of Horror Coven, you should get on that because we also release exclusive content over there, whether it's our um, From the Spinsters Mantle and then when I remember to do them <laughs> is my Jessica Dead talk. <laughs> so obviously like I really like Let's Scare Jessica to Death and that was a really good idea that Kelly had and so to kind of integrate it more into the Spinsters of Horror brand, we have like the blog post where now Kelly talks about why she chose the movie. I give my initial reaction and then usually about a week later or maybe you know I, I come back and I in the on the coven I actually give like maybe like a five minute conversation talk about why I didn't like that movie or why like the, or why I love the movie and so I kind of like have a, like a dead talk about the films I watched you know because I think they're really interesting and they're another element of being able to expand my own horror knowledge Um, Because Kelly's, in a way, in her recommendations, because people, if you don't know, Kelly's really good at recommending horror movies. So just just plugging that, you know, if you're ever looking for recommendations, she just requires a couple criteria things from you and then she goes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I get out the old Uh, Rolodex. She's like, do, 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 do. What do you feel like? Alien abduction? Okay. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Here's all these movies that will make you sleep with lights on for the rest of your life. Okay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and another thing that we added that started over the last year was Metal Mondays. And I remember, you know, one of the things that Kelly and I also obviously we can we bond on is over metal music and we go to a lot of, we've used to go to a lot of shows together and hopefully when COVID-19 and everything starts opening up again we will be able to go to shows again but we, we love metal music and so we want to make sure that that was a part of the project as well and we've we've talked about many ways that we could try and integrate this but I like the idea of Metal Mondays where we are recommending uh, various bands that we listen to various albums and it's gonna grow right Kelly we've decided to kind of make Metal Mondays a little bit different 
Yes. So Metal Mondays is going to expand into more than just band recommendations. We're going to share maybe interesting articles that we've read uh, about metal music, documentaries, movies, but mainly get a little bit more political with it because there are, you know, there are aspects of the metal scene, the metal community that is unfortunately problematic. There's a lot of sexism, a lot of racism, definitely a lot of white supremacists in the horror, I'm not sorry, not horror community, hopefully not. Um, a lot of racism there too, sadly. Um, yeah. Anyway, so you're just going to be seeing just a bit more of a diverse selection of things. And definitely over on my side, I introduced last week Black Metal with Kelly. So every Monday, I'm going to be sharing aspects of my favorite uh, subgenre of metal music, black metal. So films, documentaries, you'll more see this stuff on, on my end for Black Metal with Kelly for Metal Mondays. Yeah, again, interesting articles talking about like the cultural aspects, the social aspects, social commentary, maybe bands that have a political stance. We're just going to do a little bit more with it that is more than just sharing metal bands. There's still will be that you can get some great band recommendations from us but it's just going to be we're just going to elevate it a little bit i don't like using that term but essentially that's what we're going to do change it up a little bit just to make more of of a stance with that yeah and i think down the road too with uh let's scare jessica the death we had a really successful fan pick for july really uh thank you again from the pod in the pendulum Um, (laughs) i was believe it was mike who recommended goodnight mommy so you'll see down the road once again kelly may do another outreach to people to like you know recommend a film for me obviously there's a criteria that we follow (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's been a nice uh that's been a nice uh introduction into the project as well for sure i was going to talk about taboo terrors but i think i've you know said enough about that but um what might be changing in the future starting next month is i'm going to be taking a little bit a break from all the written work and sometimes release audio episodes so it'll be me talking with another person about their favorite extreme horror films and also which is really exciting to me uh jess has agreed to Uh, attempt to watch a taboo (laughs) terrors with certain criteria in place of course and you know we'll watch it together see how far she can get into the movie and see how long she lasts and then it'll just be like a quick and easy 30 minute discussion about the film gives me a little bit of a break not so much of a break for jess that'll be tough but uh But um, yeah, just to break it up a little bit, I'm going to start doing some little audio discussions, 30 minute uh, podcast episodes for Taboo Terrors. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Just want to diversify, change things up a little bit, freshen it up. I'm ready. And yeah, as Kelly said, she's always got ideas. And we're always <laughs> like, we have monthly meetings where we discuss like things that we want to do for that, that month or, or with that theme, what we want to do. Eventually you're going to see, because I'm getting a proper setup and I'm becoming a bit of a gamer, kind of quotation marks um you'll definitely get to see more of jessica playing more scary video games yay that is definitely coming more down the road and i know we've talked about this back and forth but this possible idea and i really like this idea coming up in the fall with like tea with the spinsters and so that's an idea that we are brewing brewing on (laughs) (laughs) that will be obviously be in conjunction with our sponsorship brutalities um, in the sense that they are supporting us with tea. The last thing maybe that I'll mention is for 2021, we are looking to maybe the Spencers get political a little bit. This pandemic has yep. inspired both of us to engage a little bit in show our voices for, you know, communities that 
not that we didn't support prior, but be just being more vocal, adding our voice to support. So yes. for 2021, we're doing a couple of things different. Instead of celebrating Women in Horror Month, we will be celebrating Black History Month, and that's a first for us. And for June, we will be celebrating Pride. The COVID-19, this whole pandemic, a lot of things have come out of it. And one of the things is, you know, the politics and the how time is time for things to really change. And we have a platform and we're going to continue to, and like we did, we did before in terms of being a, a diverse podcast, we're going to continue being diverse and supporting uh, political voices that are not necessarily always being heard. I mean, our mission statement is we want to welcome and encourage and be super inclusive to all who love horror. Yeah. And I mean, we stand by that. We haven't been the most vocal about that. And we're going to change that because we feel strongly about it. And it's time to let you all know. And I think we're yes. confident and comfortable enough now in this platform to do it. So 2021 folks, well, like now it started, but you know what I mean? Like officially 2021, there's going to be some, you'll see some differences in uh, Spencers of Horror. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. And now we've arrived at Spencer's final thoughts, this time over a nice warm cup of tea provided by our new sponsor, Brutalities. Since we're Spencer's, we obviously love tea. One of our favorite things is to curl up with a movie on a cold, rainy day. Or a good book. Yes, with a hot mug of delicious tea. Brutalities is a company that we discovered at a horror convention and fell in love with. They have a variety of tea blends from black, white, and more. But what really stood out to us was not just how yummy they were, but their spooky names. With Shy the 13th and Children of the Candy Corn, we thought Brutalities were a perfect match made in hell. I love Croconut. And I'm currently obsessed with Screamsicle. So go to Brutalities.com to grab some for yourself with listener code SPINSTER15 to get 15% off your purchase. For our Canadian listeners, please contact them directly before ordering for shipping quotes. So now that we have our tea, let's put these spirits to rest. So my final thoughts over the past two years, I will honestly say... I am super proud at where we are with this project. Uh, Spencers of Horror, I spit on your podcast. I never expected us to be where we are here in two years. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'd be like, oh, I do a monthly podcast. I I do some writing. Oh, I'm gonna actually one of my pieces is gonna be is gonna be released in the Grim magazine, a magazine that I have a lot of respect for, and I'm super excited about that. The things that Kelly and I have had opportunities to get to do over the last two years, the people that we have gotten to meet, the opportunities that have come our way. Our podcast was nominated in a, the Blood and the Snow Film Festival. We have been able to write for other websites. We've been able we've been contributors. We've Kelly's been doing interviews with people in the in the horror community and talking about other people's projects and it's super exciting when Kelly and I were sitting having a glass of wine on my couch in my very first apartment and we were brainstorming ideas for the project brainstorming our logo brainstorming the name of the of our actual podcast I if my Jessica now if Jessica went back to the past Jessica and Kelly and said hey guys this is gonna be fucking awesome like you guys are gonna it's gonna be great you're gonna get a lot of support you're gonna support a lot of people you guys are gonna be part of this amazing community I've been like how much did I drink what is happening I never would have expected us to be where we are today with this project and it's been challenging at times there a lot there's been a lot of challenging things that have come up in our both of our lives over the past year that we've had to work through and I feel like well at times it could feel daunting to have like oh I have to get a blog post out like this and it also feels very rewarding because it's like well I got it out it's it's done We, we did it and I feel really good about it even though like I may 
wave and you know in a way it helped me to get through some uh, really sad times in my life I I don't know like I just I feel super proud of what we've done and where we're at and the people we've met along the way and I'm super excited for the future of Spences of Horror for the future of I Spit on Your Podcast you know the fact that we are now part of a network you know morbidly beautiful I honestly didn't see us being a part of a network within two years of the project I saw this as like a four or five year out goal right mm-hmm. so you know having a sponsor you know you know just having people believe in us support us and on top of that too like I have a lot of people around me in my life and who have supported us along the way and I've all seen how much I've grown and become more confident in this project so this project has not just been good for me in terms of being a, a horror fan it's been good for me as being an individual as a woman uh, ha- finding my voice and, and being out in the community so yeah I'm really gonna get all super weepy here so I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> Wrap her up. <laughs> oh, you sweet, sweet thing, Jess. Uh, <laughs> I'm the sentimental spinster. Yep. Jess is the compassionate, empathetic, sentimental heart and brains of this project. <laughs> I have said that. I would say you're more of the brains of the project. I'm more of the heart. <laughs> You're, no, I'm going to say heart and brains because you deal with all the technical stuff, which I, oh, if I had to do that, nothing would happen. So, also, I think you're super smart. So, mm, you're like so you. much smarter than me. So, mm. <laughs> you're just brilliant minded. Okay. <laughs> For me, last year, I thanked so many people. This year, oh boy. This year, I'm going to thank one person, and that's you, Jess. Oh my God. (laughs) I feel super uncomfortable, everyone. (laughs) So I want to thank you for inviting me to do this. I thought it was weird. I wasn't, I didn't really know much about podcasts. I only knew that like you had one and yours were the only one I listened to for a while. uh, The Dark Spectrum. I was like, podcasts? What is that? Like, what is that really? Whatever. Only nerds do that. So I thought it was strange and I didn't really know what to expect. But this whole thing, I had just, you never know how things are going to turn out. But yes, I I echo the sentiments that I have met some... God damn amazing people. Some of my favorite people I have met over the last two years because I, I put myself out there and I'm like, hey, I've got this project, Spencers of Horror, which is a very interesting name. Our podcast is called I Spit on Your Podcast. Like that is attention grabbing. And I'm so proud of the names that we came up with that are really unique and again, attention grabbing. And they're going to bring people in. They're going to draw people in. The content's going to keep them there. But like, the names and like the brand are going to bring people in. And yeah, some of my favorite, absolute favorite people I've met, just so many wonderful guests that we've had guest spots for the podcast, guest writers, like everyone is so sweet and so brilliant and so supportive. And it's just been so, so amazing. Like not to mention the incredible, fantastic discussions that you and I have had, that we've had with other people and other podcasts in real life. Just the engagement that we've had with the community has been incredible. And also, of course, so many wonderful movies that like I've watched, I've discovered, rewatched, revisited in a whole new light. And it's been really incredible. So what I'll say is that it's been um, life-changing and life-improving. So So I I can't wait to keep making awesome content with you, Jess, and for everyone else to enjoy. Yeah, so Uh, thank you for helping change my life. You're welcome, because you've helped change mine. So Uh, by saying saying yes and doing this project with me, and then by... (laughs) 
pushing me out there uh, past my boundaries, my mm. comfort zone time and time again yeah. to get me to do the things I do. And <laughs> I will, there will be a tearful video when I do get my copy of Grim Magazine and see my, mm. my name in there. Yeah. Something cry. to be proud of, man. Jess, you have come a long way and in incredible ways. Uh, I'm very proud of you as a partner in this. I'm very proud of you as your really good friend of almost 20 years. So I'm so excited for the future. <laughs> I'm really, really excited for both of us and everything that's going yes. to happen. So I hope you guys all enjoy what we have in store for you and what we've done previously for the last two years. So thank you for supporting us and being thank there you. with us for two years. So that ends our anniversary episode. We're excited as to what the future holds in store for us, and we really hope you are too. We want to thank Dance of the Dead for our intro-outro music, Robeast, and for Brandon for all of his work on our promotional materials. Also, of course, to all of you listeners, thank you so, so much. We want to remind you to follow us on our website, spinstersofhorror.com, our Facebook, Spinsters of Horror, and of course, our Facebook coven group, exclusive videos, fun things, dead talks from the Spinster's Mantle. Please come join our group and hang out with us. You can also follow us on Twitter at Horror Spinsters. We are also on Instagram at Spinsters of Horror. As well, please rate and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any podcasting app you listen to us to. It really helps to boost our ratings and get more people listening to us. And just a reminder, we also have merch. You can visit TeePublic to purchase our t-shirts and also buy stickers from our shop, as well as there's a donation button too to help us continue doing the amazing content that we continue to do for you guys. Next month, we make our final trip to Sunnydale. No! And we finish our three-part exploration on Buffy the Vampire Slayer with a look at our feminist icon, the Slayer herself, and Spike, our resident bad boy. So until then, remember, the future of fear is female. <laughs> <laughs>